A warm welcome to the Creative Places and Faces podcast, the podcast that explores places that help to inspire creativity. Some are local, some even formative, and others are far away and sometimes rather exotic. I'm Mike Payne, one of the Creative Places and Faces team. Let me introduce you to your host, Jackie DeBurka. Jackie is originally from Dublin, Ireland, but has spent a lot of time abroad, especially in Spain. She is the author of Salvador Dali at Home, creator of Travel Inspires, and the number one travel and tourism influencer, Q2 2020, according to Global Data. Over to you, Jackie. Okay, okay. Well, that that is actually, it's a, it's a lovely story because you'd been through dealing with the grief of your dad and com- coming out, sort of emerging in the springtime, as you say, exploring poetry in that way and and then of course meeting your your long-term partner um who of course now you've been living with for around 20 years in, in northwestern ireland but going back suzanne one of the things that struck me um you know when reading your work and, and researching you going back to your school days back in germany were you being taught at all about any of the history the troubles in northern ireland a little, I remember in geography, this came up. Um, mm-hmm. I remember vaguely, I'm, I'm vaguely aware of news footage that I would have seen, but to be honest, I, I had I had no connection to that part of Irish history. And even when I came to Dublin, there was very little um, that I, like I wasn't terribly aware of it. Um, at all and I would never have dreamed that I would uh, work in Northern Ireland um, in the arts sector um, that that was just a complete surprise but I think it's been a really interesting journey to come to the place with little awareness other than I mean of course there were references in popular culture I would have watched movies like In the Name of the Father Mm-hmm, I would have mm-hmm. heard songs like Bloody Sunday by you two, Eric Organ, which is a great song. But it, the reality in, in the north of Ireland is so, so different. And uh, the thing that struck me coming here um, and working in the place um, is initially how little or how few clues there were to something being wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this was post the Good Friday Agreement that I moved here and so on. But it took me a while to really begin to see the evidence that it's often quite, um, that there there is a legacy of, of conflict. And the troubles took place course like I had seen documentary films at that point and my partner is from Belfast so he told me about his experiences and I learned a lot through that but in terms of my own schooling back home um there was there was very little it was was no no obvious point of references that was something that I was really quite fascinated with and you have a lot of gorgeous quotes uh, throughout your writing, but I felt that there was one uh, paragraph in Landlocked where you describe when you first came to Ireland. I think that's a great paragraph. Would you would you like to read that out for us? Yes, I can. Yeah, of course. Hold on. Um, I first came to Ireland after I'd finished school. A favourite teacher's tales of Dublin and Donegal convinced me that I too had to go there. It was simple. A call of the wild. Once there, something clicked. Like my teacher, I kept returning, travelled the length and breadth of the island. History wasn't something I thought much about in those early days. I thought about water instead, how it surrounded the place I had hopped onto, as if in a dream. I felt alive in Ireland, alive and receptive. It's absolutely wonderful. I, I love it. Can you talk a little bit further? I mean, you were just starting to touch on your partner, obviously, you know, being from Belfast and having, of course, talked to you a lot about his own experience. You're there so long 
and you have such a connection with the water, the culture, the history of the people and the area and its beauty. Can you describe that to us, please, Suzanne? Yeah, it's. I, I, I feel almost the longer I live here, it's it's getting that little bit trickier to stick with that initial vision, you know. So it really helps me to write about it. And when I read this essay that I wrote called Landlocked, I'm I'm very much in touch with that little line of breadcrumbs that brought me to this place, um, because history in in Ireland and also in Germany, both these, I mean, all countries ultimately, but for me, because these are the two I know best, I'm very conscious of how contested the history is and, and how, and especially here now in, in the border region with Brexit looming and all this, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a minefield as well. So, my particular take is is my experience of having come here through the route of Dublin, Galway, the Northwest, working in Belfast and Derry over the years and um, getting to know the place very gradually with no coming to it with with not an awful lot of baggage other than my own historical baggage. If, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense like um i history is is especially in these last few years for me especially since 2016 a lot of the things i have been going on about and talking about oh history is important to me but the the fact that it's alive always i've never had such a strong sense of being at the mercy of history to a point you know, as I've had these last four years, it might be partly to do with the age I am, but also um, with these events like Brexit, I would never have foreseen that. And I remember the, the shock that everybody felt that I know here um, in these in this region in particular, it is such a such a challenging thing, such a train wreck for people to get their head around. Um it, it really is difficult because this border region is is it requires a lot of healing still. Yes, and it's, definitely. It, there are a lot of wounds here, but the wounds are there to be seen. And again, I've, I wrote a little more about this in in that essay, and um, it's like suddenly this healing process has come to a halt. And uh, people are just in bare survival mode. And that is terrible. Uh, that is not very productive in terms of long-term peace. And it, it really rattles people's psyches. And I certainly have to say it has rattled me. And I, when I was growing up, and it's also made me reflect on how privileged I have been to be traveling so much as a teenager and young adult. Um, the idea of not being able to cross a border or, or being asked for ID, and while this is hopefully not going to be the case here and be very detrimental to the peace process. Um, but it is a very different way of looking at moving, moving in space and moving from A to B. That I, I grew up in an era where freedom was like something I really took for granted. Um, freedom of movement, freedom of like working anywhere in the EU and making that place a home. I do have friends in other countries that are also from Germany originally, people in Scandinavia and you know somebody in Spain. And um, my generation, it, I think that's quite typical for people to do. Sorry, that's I've, I've kind of rambled away from your question. No, you're so, but it's, it is relevant because, of course, we're recording this now just uh, two days before the, the 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 Sunday that people have all their hopes pin, pinned on. But, of course, we won't be actually broadcasting. To, so by the time people are listening to this, <laughs> hopefully the Brexit situation will have, have been resolved to some degree better than it is yeah. on the day that we're recording this, you know. Yeah. Um, Going back, as you mentioned, obviously your 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 childhood. There's one quote um, 
that also resonated very strongly with me. I understood that I had lived through a childhood where the residue of conflict was as palpable as the bicycle I used to ride. Just like people on this island, I too had been shaped by silences, assumptions, longings not entirely my own. And I just think that that quote, after what you've been discussing, um, it brings to mind what is still, unfortunately, a very real issue there in the north of Ireland. The f- the the feelings of trauma that uh, are still there in both the people and the place. How do you feel about that, Suzanne? Yeah, uh, the effect of of war and conflict on places is certainly something that fascinates me, especially uh, the long-term effects, the aftermath. I guess um, the year I was born in, I'm I'm very much that post-war generation with regards to the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's definitely tied up with that. Um, the the respect and understanding for how how long it takes to recover from conflict and and uh, and trauma is that is something uh, that has always been on my mind. I think mm-hmm. even as a child, I. I would have absorbed that that sense that things take a lot of time and it's well certain things on on the surface can change very quickly and something can be resolved in a day like a some kind of predicament suddenly there's a building that is is reconstructed and people can access that again and that is great but what goes on in the mind and how this has affected people's psyches and how they relate to their kin, how they relate to others in their society. It's certainly something that has always been on my radar and maybe that's also why I resonate with with, uh, the history of the Troubles but also with Irish history in general. Um, And it's not... In my writing, I, I don't even write historical fiction if you know what i mean um or or it's it's not primarily about the history but it it comes in as something that is a really defining factor in how people relate on a day-to-day basis how how they live their everyday lives there are all these residues and aftermaths and but I do think it's tied up with with uh, my particular generation, and the idea of assumptions and silences. Yeah, that um, that is is a big one. Also, there's certain things we we won't talk about or we can't talk about because maybe they're too painful or they're too complicated. All kinds of things, and certain assumptions that we make. Uh, we'll do it this way because. Um, there there isn't even so much of an inquiry into why are we doing it this way. It's it's more like oh we have to do it this way, and asking why won't get us anywhere. I, I was I've always been fascinated with that and how that has shaped the life of my parents in particular, and how I kind of then came in with the question marks and and I wanted to put the whys in where they put the. The, the, the statements, the blanket statements, is, this is how we do this. And I went in mm-hmm. and said, but why? <laughs> because yeah. I, was, I was quite young and, and a little naive when it comes to the things that shaped them. Um, of course. Of course. Um, one of the, the things that's been kind of a, a, a thread really for a lot of the interviews I've done in this first series of Creative Places and Faces, it's occurred to me that The people who have been in areas, uh, obviously, where you've grown up in Nuremberg and where your partner is from Belfast and and quite a number of the people I've interviewed also being from Belfast, that there's they have gone undergone historic trauma. But actually, at the same time, it's like that seems to serve as a kind of a trigger for creativity. Have you have you experienced this yourself? 
Yeah, I, I can see it in places uh, for sure. Um, not even just in Ireland and Germany, um, where a lot of the art that I would relate to would, would be rooted in some experience of trauma or conflict. I do see it in, in a lot of the art that I admire, be it in painting or in, in writing, in films even. Um, as for my experience as a German woman coming from Nuremberg, growing up there, um, it, it's sort of like a double-edged sword for me, this, this question, because I was exposed to a lot of art as a child. I did absorb lots of stories. I went to galleries and like even this was something I wanted to do. I don't know why really, but it, I was certainly motivated to see something outside of my own life and then maybe compare it back to what my experience was like. But on the other hand, um, in Nuremberg, growing up in Nuremberg, there, there was a very different sense from the way I've experienced creativity in Ireland. It was more like, oh, you'll never get published, or it's it's hard as other people do that, or um, it's it's very hard to make yourself heard because you have to be so good and so perfect. Um, whereas in Ireland, I think there's a, more of a an attitude of encouragement. Mm -hmm. but, um, and and anyone can have a go like if you go into a pub or not so much this year obviously but you'll you definitely find somebody who'll say oh I'm a writer <laughs> whether they have published anything or not is the other question but you get a lot of storytellers you get the Shanaki tradition and people are just in love with a good yarn with a good story here and um, there's a great sense of history people are great readers in ireland too um, and they are that too in germany but there is um a, 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 there's more awe and respect for artists as if they're somehow removed from the rest of the people i think that's slightly different in ireland um so i i felt as a teenager f doing a lot of creative things i kind of had to leave the place but then mm -hmm. again, I've heard exactly that from Irish people who are creatives, who felt they had to get out of the place in order to yeah. really live their creativity. So I think it might be more a universal experience for people who who have to work creatively for for whatever reason that is that they have to go I, away. And maybe I, I think I think it is. It's typical. I mean, John Carson pops into my mind straight away. Oh yeah, that she she needed to go. You know, and she she was going to. to she ended up going to Portland, Oregon, and that was like hugely important for her to have left the North and to spend time there. Um, and I think it is. I think, as you say, people in Germany find it and people in Ireland find it. I think it's coming out of our own comfort zones and we can just do that more easily by going ideally to a different country, probably, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, then there's always this degree of going back, be it through the art or be it physically going back, um, revisiting the place that you came from. And I can now see in my writing, especially in, in uh, the last couple of years, I'm much more prepared to, or, or much more interesting also, to look at the impact of whatever came before me in my family, in my country, and how does this, uh, how could this manifest in, in, in the writing? Whereas at the very start, I wasn't, when I was a teenager and I started writing stories, they were always set in America, where I thought um, it was a wonderful place <laughs> for whatever reason. And uh, <laughs> they, they were as far removed from, from the place I was in as, as it as you could possibly imagine. I guess if you think about it, I mean, we we know that we've touched predominantly on your experiences in Germany and and Ireland, but you do have a number of other places that have have made, you know, a significant impact on you. And I think I think if we think about it from a writer's perspective, you know, popping dipping in and out of different places, environments, and cultures, it's almost like collecting fragments of characters that you'll eventually will pop up in your writing no yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and i'm i'm lucky to have traveled a fair bit as a teenager and young adult um 
that is definitely I, I feel I have um, experienced so much on these travels that I, I almost I, I would love to travel again don't get me wrong but I almost wouldn't have to and I would still have material to to draw on that's very interesting so which which places have made an impact just that is significant enough that you actually could make that statement that you've just made well, I guess uh, Berlin was a place I went to a lot as a teenager, just after the wall came down in the early 90s. The wall came down in 89, and then I would have been there a fair bit before I finished school. Uh, my cousin lived there. Uh, she had lived there for many years, and I was able to stay with her, which was wonderful. Um, and I just remember cycling around the city and and encountering this place which was German but it seemed so very very different from Nuremberg and um, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of uh, big cities London would be similar in New York I've heard people say that about too and um, these these big metropolitan places they are not necessarily representative of what the country at large is like mm -hmm. so for me it was like a, a complete education like uh, you could go to a cafe at any time of the night. You could turn off there at 1 a.m. and stay until 6. No problem. <laughs> and I, I found that quite... It, 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 I didn't really have the energy for it, but I did try it out just because of the fun of it. It, it just seemed like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and even the, the Bavaria is a very different place from Berlin. So there are big cultural differences as well um, that I became very aware of and, and I was intrigued by them and watched them like a hawk. Um, oh, oh, oh. And like fitting in like a, like a painting by number drawing of my, my own um, national identity. I, I, I was fit, mm -hmm. or fitting in some of the, some of the blanks Um that I hadn't seen until then. And I thought, oh, this is also what it means to be German. Um, so it, it was like an education. Another place that, again, I mentioned before, uh, I traveled to a fair bit uh, was Vienna. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically going there for a week to stay with my great aunt when I was 18 years old. And I was in this culture vulture groove where I just wanted to see a lot of art and walk the city, go into every bookshop and just absorb a lot. I remember going to the Sigmund Freud house, which was like really amazing. Uh, we had talked about his work in school a few years earlier and to be in that space uh, was quite impressive. Um, even though I'm now like I, I, I'm far more interested in the writings of Jung, but it it was still it was it was fabulous to be able to see that take the train into the city, read a book on the train, and then walk around, go and see the castles, see the the Setzession, all these galleries with the beautiful artwork of Gustav Klimt, Egon Schiele, and yeah, it was it was lovely um, to have that opportunity through a family connection. Okay. And anywhere else that's sort of now you're you're there sitting in your home in northwest of Ireland <laughs> on a on a sort of a grey, drizzly and a dull day as you've described to me. Anywhere else that you've been to that sort of very much sort of sits with you still? Oh, um San Francisco would be one other place that I also love. My cousin, another cousin lives there and has lived there again for a long time, so I've been out there a few times. The very first time I went was just the summer after I'd graduated from school and it was the weather was glorious and to be suddenly in this world of of places that I'd seen in films like um the I love Alfred Hitchcock's movies and I love the film Vertigo and to suddenly mm -hmm. see all those uh, locations and walk past them casually. <laughs> it was just absolutely incredible. And even the, um, the highways out of the city going north and south, we went there. My cousin had a motorbike at the time and took me on the back of it. It was just absolutely fabulous. And 
it reminded me of the movie The Birds, the mm -hmm. little town they travel to from San Francisco. I think it's called Bodega Bay. Um, that's another favorite movie of mine. And, and for me, movies have been obviously so important. And the idea of being near these locations, it, it taught me something about like uh, where stories and life intersect. Um, mm -hmm. something about creativity uh, that was just so powerful and even the spirit of San Francisco as a city was just a wonderful thing to witness at that age and uh, my cousin took me to all these hip and cool places and it was just so so very different from anything I had known and mm. it's just lovely that that was yeah. possible to experience um, because I think it's a wonderful thing to have that experience when you're about 18, 19. You're so open to absorb so much. It's kind of like a coming of age time of your life, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you've, you've mentioned uh, not long ago, Suzanne, that you sort of feel almost satisfied with the places that have made up um, those fragments of your creativity from the places you've traveled to and spent time in. But imagine if you were a jigsaw, do you feel you're complete right now in terms of those places or, or would there be any one or two places missing that you feel would make a complete jigsaw? That's a really lovely question. I, um, I would love to travel again, of course. I would like to see new places. Um, I, I think at this stage of my life, I, I encounter them in very different ways. I'm looking for different things, but um, there certainly are places that I would like to see. Like Australia is one of them. I would like to go there. Um, my partner actually lived there at one point, and he talks about it all the time, and it is just somewhere I would love to visit. I'd like to see a bit more of Scandinavia and Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. I love traveling to places in the sun, not because I'm – lying on the beach a lot but I just love being in the sun and um, when you live in the northwest of Ireland there's so much rain and it, it's you really I, I do miss the sun on occasion hmm. yeah um, I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine knowing, knowing the Irish weather obviously one of your stories Suzanne uh it's set in Bath in England which you mentioned was inspired just by a one-day trip how do you feel this particular trip had that kind of effect on you and uh, like how a one day trip in general can have such an important effect. How do you feel about that? Oh yeah. Um, that was a, it, I was staying with a friend of mine for a weekend in Bristol at the time. This was in 2011. And she said to me, this was my first time in Bristol also. And she said, you should take, I had one day left before my plane went home. You should take a trip to Bath. You would love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I had heard a lot about Bath and I thought mm, yeah yeah I'll, I'll do that and I went there and I had a very heavy rucksack on my back and so I, I couldn't really leave that rucksack anywhere so I thought what will I do I took the the tour bus it was a glorious day the weather was gorgeous it was in June I basically spent the day on that bus most of the day going around Bath over and over and over it was one of those tickets where you can just stay on the bus as long as you like and I was sitting on the top deck um and and just loving the views and seeing all the tourist sites but also beginning to wonder about what is life really like because again Bath is such a historic place it's a little bit like the old city of Nuremberg Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's why I, why I loved it so much. This, this first impression, I gravitate to places with, with that kind of medieval architecture and beauty. And then, of course, all the other epochs make their mark as well. I remember seeing people dressed up as characters from Jane Austen novels. Um, from the top of the bus and it seemed such an absurd thing for me to be going past on this tour bus or, or this, mm -hmm. this city tour bus and see these people and I was wondering what are their lives like how are they making ends meet they're dressed up as Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet <laughs> it just seemed so crazy and I had been working on this story about a couple an English man and a German wife and they live in London initially and then they relocate to Bath 
And that's when their marriage goes really pear-shaped. Now, tell tell for the audience the name of the story, because that is one of the most clever pieces of writing I've read for quite a while. Oh, thank you. Uh, The story is called Weapon of Choice, which Mm -hmm. is very much based on the song by Fatboy Slim. Um, It features in the story. Um, Yeah, the the story was published in The Stinging Fly. I think it was in 2017, and it can be read online. So, um, yeah, it's it's about a marriage that is maybe not the best match. Um, and it's told from the wife's perspective, from a German perspective, looking at, like, Englishness and then also bringing in this video um, yeah. with Christopher Walken dancing in an empty hotel. So for me, sometimes in my writing, it sounds bizarre to combine Bath and this video. And when I was writing this story, which I had started years before uh, that trip to Bath, it was really just about this unhappy wife dancing to the video and uh, alongside Christopher Walken. Um, but it wasn't set in a specific place. And that day, something happened when I was on that tour bus Um looking at Bath, uh, something clicked and I thought, why not set the story in Bath? And so all these quite different elements came together and it really seemed to make a lot more sense than it had done before. That's, actually, that's kind of wonderful because it's, it's as if your trip, um, because of the fact that you had your rucksack, so in other words, you took a, a uh, a clever decision as to how you would spend your day because going with a big heavy rucksack wasn't going to be a lot of fun and as if that time that you spent that day in Bath it just added a layer that you've been waiting for to appear no? Absolutely and and this is the kind of stuff I was saying earlier about being in the shower and having good ideas it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like that I can't remember where that actual idea came but I suddenly realized oh this story needs another layer and that Mm-hmm. that came in the in the form of bath as a location um yeah but leaving all that aside bath is a stunning place and i would i would love to visit it again um yeah well i mean hopefully we're all now that we're coming towards the end of 2020 obviously at the time we're recording and this will be you know we'll, we'll have it uh, out in 2021 in january but we're all in the same boat where we're really hoping that next year will be different and we can revisit. I think it's given a lot of appreciation to lots of people about the places that they loved and they love to go back to as well, you know? Oh, yes, for sure. So listen, going back, Suzanne, to the place that you've now been calling home for around 20 years. And if someone was coming to visit you there for the first time, maybe a friend from Germany or, or somebody from another country, um, where would you actually say that they should stay? That's We'll assume you just don't have enough room to invite them to your own house. Where, where would you think would be a lovely place for them to stay in that area? I would say to them to stay anywhere along the Wild Atlantic Way, the Donegal mm-hmm. Wild Atlantic Way, which starts literally here in, in the Shorn. Um, I would uh, recommend to rent a cottage, the more simple and pared down the better and uh, close to the coast um, mm-hmm. it, because this place is is really it's the landscape what makes it so so absolutely stunning and amazing um, as long as you can be warm that is that yeah. is the thing also you don't want it to be too <laughs> wet and dark and all that but it's, it's part of the experience but if you have it too much so make sure you've got some form of heat there and uh, the idea of waking up in a cottage is just a lovely thing and to maybe have a view of the water as well, which I don't have where I live, but I, I know it so well. I have it inside me. But say if you didn't know the place, I think this is the way to get to know Ireland, to, to wake up somewhere where you have a view of the sea. And the okay. beaches here in Donegal are just absolutely beautiful. Um, they're a lot of people say that they're, they have surfers coming here from all over the world, even though it's quite grey and rainy at times, but the beaches uh, are just one of a kind. So describe, Suzanne, for the listeners who aren't familiar with Inishone, which is the main place, you know, that's closest to where you're living. 
describe Inishowen and the landscape, please? The landscape here is, is quite hilly and uh, Inishowen is a peninsula. Um, so you can drive the length of the peninsula, which is part of the Wild Atlantic Way, and you'll always be near the coast. And some of the, the viewpoints are the most stunning I have seen on the whole island of Ireland. And there's a place called Kinnegal Bay. It's one of the most famous beaches here. Um, it's an absolutely stunning, spectacular uh, beach with a huge cliff face. And there are also gentle beaches that I uh, love just as much. For instance, Shroof Beach, um, just north of Greencastle. Mm -hmm. And then there is the uh, town of Bonkrana, which is a lovely place to visit. And there's the most amazing walks along the coast, again, toward the mouth of the uh, for, uh, Loch Swilly, which is the lock on the western side of the peninsula on the other side on the eastern side we have Loch Foyle which is like the which is where Derry is so you do have uh, the most beautiful views and what's beautiful about both Foyle and Swilly is when you're looking out to sea you actually also see the land on the other side and um, because it's a peninsula look overlooking other parts like uh, Loch Foyle overlooks Northern Ireland on the other side. Uh, mm -hmm. Loch Swilly overlooks um, Rathmullen, mm -hmm. another part of, of Donegal. So um, it's, it is stunning and it's very unspoiled, um, especially in the show and due to the history of the Troubles and so on. Um, there aren't as many visitors as you would get, for instance, say in Connemara or even other mm -hmm. places uh, in Donegal, the more south Donegal, uh, around Donegal town. I think there's much more tourism there. You don't get that many people up here. And the, the people you do meet um, have quite, they're, they're not your um, run-of-the-mill tourists, if there even is such a thing in this day and age. But there are often people who have visited the place many times before or they have some kind of connection to this place. Again, you do find that all over Ireland. Uh, people come to search for their roots um, from America, from England, from Australia, and so on. Um, but, yeah, you do... Um, it's, it's very unspoiled, and you do meet interesting people in that sort of solitude that that you do get in this place it can be lonely as well at times of course especially when the weather is very bad but the the beauty of the landscape all year round is is really breathtaking even if you come at this time of year it's there's there's I really should have uh, should be better at describing this, but maybe it's because it's so probably. Close I to think my it's heart. probably Suzanne. I, I think it's probably Suzanne that it's so ingrained in you. You know, so you you've been there so long, you've merged with the landscape that is almost like, uh, for example, if somebody says to you, you know, tell me your good points, or your bad points. Well, it's part of yourself, isn't it? So it's quite hard to talk about, really. It is actually, yeah. But one thing I could maybe add is that this. The thing I love the most about here is how how I do follow the seasons. Um, mm -hmm. I you can do that anywhere, of course, but being here really has made me a lot more interested in looking closely at what exactly happens as spring moves into summer, summer moves into autumn, autumn into winter, and I do see all these little markers I collect the blackberries end of August until the end of September. Um, I, I do see the snowdrops come out at the end of January. Um, these are all cliches, but beyond the cliche, there's this beautiful experience where you're actually out and do see these things and do see mm -hmm. how they nourish us. And this year in particular, I, I have um, made even more of a point of, of going out there and looking closely at the trees, listen to the bird song, and so on. Um, in my immediate surroundings, and this, I'm not even that close to the coast here, but to see 
the change of the seasons and the seasons come into their own is, is just a beautiful experience. It's so nourishing. I think it is. Um, we have, I'm sure every single landscape is the same. You know, we have, for example, in sort of depending on how the the winter has been, you know, we'll have the almond blossom, which will probably be sort of end of January, beginning of February. It's absolutely stunning. It's like this icy pink that starts to creep over and take over a lot of the fields that surround us here, you know. Oh, um, so, <laughs> And the word nourishing is wonderful because I think that applies to anybody who pays attention in that way uh, to their surrounding environment will find nourishment in it. And it's interesting that also you say, Suzanne, this year in particular, the amount of people, not just people I've interviewed for the podcast, but people that I'm in contact with, is such a huge appreciation for their local surroundings that perhaps they didn't realise before, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard that from many as well, which is a good thing, a really good thing. Because I think it, it is. Yeah. It is. Now, one question for you, because I don't know that area that well and because I'm Irish, so I'm allowed the excuse to ask, (laughs) are there any sort of eccentric or unusual places that you might bring or even experiences that you might bring your visitor to? Um, I guess the sea swimming has really taken off this year as well. I haven't been in the sea as much as in previous years, I have to add, but um, the wild sea swimming um, is is definitely something, especially in Bankrana. There's a group I swam with a few times, but I often also just swim on my own on Fruit Beach and off the different beaches in Bankrana. It's definitely something I would like to take somebody to experience because there are people who do it all year round. I have to say mm-hmm. I'm not one of them yet. I would love to be, but I'm quite sensitive to the cold. <laughs> um, there are, you do see people who go literally 365 days a year. It seems mm-hmm. to be a huge part of the calendar for quite a few people in these parts. And it, again, it is such a strong way of connecting with the land and not the, in this case the water, obviously, but to connect with with the place that you're in and to remind yourself, to ground yourself into that place that this is actually a, a physical experience that you're having in this place. Um, I'm I'm fascinated with sea swimming and I, I don't do it quite as much as I would love to, but I have to overcome my, my sensitivity to the cold. I definitely take somebody to go swimming with me. And another thing that is beautiful about the, the change of the seasons here and the last couple of years, and this people will laugh at me for this because I'm from a city and I had no... Um, element of farming in my background at all but I'm I'm really excited about the lambing season yeah I always uh, just watch the new lambs and I, I count them and I, I'm, I'm just really really intrigued by it and it starts sort of in I think as early as the end of January but it goes on into the spring Mm-hmm. And slowly, slowly, all these lambs appear. And there's all kinds of sad stories attached to it also, obviously, because some of them will never grow up. <laughs> I try yes, not to think too course. much about that. But yeah. um, it is it is a beautiful part of living in rural in the to, um to experience. And uh, again, it's it's something I would I'd love to share with people coming here because it is a unique part of the calendar here. Hmm. It's not exactly okay. eccentric. <laughs> but no, but it's, it is quite specific to the place, you know, um, maybe maybe not eccentric, but I have to say as an Irish person, there, <laughs> there, there could be eccentric things um, to do in, in lots of parts of Ireland, I suppose. Are, have you got any restaurants close by or is it quite rural in terms of where you might bring a visitor to for to go out for something to eat there? Oh, there there are lovely places. I mean, Derry is of course not far from here, so um, you could go for uh, for a bite to eat there. Um, I myself am quite a creature of habit. We often go. Uh, we love Italian food, 
So mm-hmm. there is an Italian restaurant in Derry. It's called Spaghetti Junction, which I love. Um, but there's there's lots of other places. Brown's restaurant on the town in Derry is, is also a lovely place. There's constantly new places um, coming up. There is um, a cafe in the village of Muff, which is called Tank and Skinnies, which is okay. amazing. Um, that's Muff. That's, that's Muff County, Donegal, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And there is uh, the Tree House, also in Muff. There's the Red Door Restaurant in Fawn. Um, and there's McCrory's Pub in Kildaff on the Atlantic coast, which is the open coast at the very northern tip of um, Inishowen. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and would that be a favourite bar to go to, Suzanne, or are there other bars around that you like to go to? McCrory's is lovely. They do have music. There would be... A, Normally, I should add, um, they sometimes have concerts there, and I hope they'll be able to do that again soon. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not so much, I don't go into bars that much now. I used to a lot in Galway um, during that year there. Um, but yeah, there you have some nice pubs. There's Padders, um, which would also have live music um, and a lot of international visitors would go into that pub for the music and there's always a lovely buzz in there Mm. okay okay so sounds like a fantastic area and as you said yourself a little earlier on who knows how things would have been if you'd stayed in germany but (laughs) we'll never know will we what what are you actually working on um at the moment suzanne have you got something that you're focused on right now yeah, I'm, I'm working on a new novel and always on stories as well, of course. Um, there's, there's different things on the back burner and the, the main thing is a novel that I'm trying to go deep with now. Um, so I'm still sort of in the in the first draft stage. So it's okay. pretty hard. And does, it have a, do, do, does the novel have a working title? Um, no, not yet, okay. but it does weave together again certain places here and uh, aspects of my experience in Germany. So, Okay, and are you able to reveal anything else or is it too, too much early days at the moment, Suzanne, about the novel? With that particular project, yeah, it is early days, but um, the stories that I'm working on, um yeah, they're they're always picking up on, on little things like what I said about the story Weapon of Choice. Uh, I develop them over a long time. I usually uh, edit a lot. I work on them like, uh, see, I, I, I couldn't write a story in one week and have it finished and feel that's a good story. I almost need at least a couple of months but sometimes a, a number of years, which sounds bizarre for stories. So I always have some work in progress. And um, mm-hmm. the what I said earlier, the the connection between Germany and Ireland and the, the resonance of the histories of these two places, that certainly um, informs my work a lot more recently than it did in the past. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also interested in popular culture, as you probably gathered from that piece which features the the Christopher Walken dance video. (laughs) Um, I'm always intrigued by the intersection between popular culture and history and more serious aspects of the culture. There's such a big, not so much now, but when I was growing up in Germany, the idea of serious work versus entertaining culture was very strong like you would never listen to Bach and Fat Boy Slim in the same hour or the same place whereas <laughs> that has changed too and uh, but I do think here um, it's it's very different the way these things are perceived you, you could find yourself um, listening to classical music and then next to a piece of rap and no problem and that's how my imagination works it it works well when i when i'm um when i'm wrestling with some kind of contrast and i'm trying to get some something good out of that 
Okay. So do you feel, the last question, I suppose, Suzanne, do you feel that your creativity has been heightened by being in that part of Ireland for the last 20 years or so? I hope so. I mean, I will never be able to compare it with anywhere else because this is where I have lived. And uh, I certainly feel, for me as an introvert, um, the solitude that I get here is is very helpful to the creative process. And I also think, while I sometimes miss the city and I have to make a point of visiting cities occasionally just for inspiration and so on, and to go into galleries, which I love, um, even go and see certain things in the cinema, um, that is all important. But for the actual process of, of working, of writing, sitting down, um, and there's all but a piece of paper and myself and my pen or my computer. Um, this is a good place to be, definitely. Okay, that's brilliant. Listen, thank you so much for coming on today, Suzanne. It's been wonderful to get a German woman's perspective after having some of uh, Northern Ireland's be- really well-known authors on who came very much with the perspective of the North be in Belfast in three particular cases. I'm talking about Henry MacDonald, Malachy O'Doherty and Jan Carson uh, being a formative environment in the case of the, the two men. And in Jan's um, case, Balamina, of course, was her formative environment. But Belfast, you know, once she hit university age, was very much part of her life and today is absolutely essential to her writing. So getting your perspective, Suzanne, as a writer and a creative who's coming almost from reverse situation has been just fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie, for having me. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Suzanne. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Places and Faces podcast. If you would like to apply to be a guest or a sponsor, be sure to check out the links below the podcast. Until next time, from all of us here, take care, stay safe, and be creative.